Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This sermon is taken from the 2010 Annual Missions Conference. This is the evening service of Thursday the 3rd of June 2010, and the Bible reading is taken from Luke chapter 19, verses 28 to 40. Here's Brother Richard Rawls. All right, again, it's good to be in the house of the Lord and good to see each one of you here. And I know that time and again folks say, well, preachers always say that when they get up. But when you get as old as some of us, like one fellow said, it's good to be anywhere. <laughs> some of you get that later, amen. amen. <laughs> you got it. Amen. All right. Turn your Bibles, please, to the book of Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19. I do ask you to pray for me tonight that uh, I can be used of the Lord, that the Lord will breathe life into the message. And uh, I want I want the Lord to touch our hearts tonight in a special way. <coughs> Pardon me. I want to deal with the subject entitled, The Lord Needs You. The Lord Needs You. And uh, I'll base this right on the Scripture very clearly. In the book of Luke chapter 19, let's stand please, verses 28 through 40. I want to give this message in light of the text. Lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they're white already to harvest. Luke chapter 19, verse 28 and following. And when he had thus spoken, he went before sending up to Jerusalem. And it came to pass, when he was come nigh to Bethphage and Bethany at the mount called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go into the village over against you, in which at your entering you shall find a colt tied, Whereon yet never a man sat, loose him and bring him hither. And if any man ask you, why do you loose him? Thus shall you say unto him, because the Lord hath need of him. They that were sent went their way, found even as he had said unto them. And as they were loosing the colt, the owners thereof said unto him, Why loose ye the colt? They said, The Lord hath need of him. And they brought him to Jesus. They cast their garments upon the colt, and they set Jesus thereon. And as he went, they spread their clothes in the way. And when he was come nigh, now at the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen, saying, Blessed be the King that cometh in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest, and some of the Pharisees from among the multitude said unto him, Master, rebuke thy disciples. And he answered and said unto them, I tell you that if these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. Father, in Jesus' name, again, I pray that you would help me this evening. I thank you, Lord, for your presence in the service yesterday. Lord, that will not suffice for today. And I pray, dear God, that you'd meet the needs in this service tonight, uh, this evening. Lord, every person here, I'm sure, has a need that you alone can meet. And I pray that through the preaching and the teaching of the Word, Lord, that you would edify each and every one of us. And I pray, dear God, that you'd help us, Lord, that we might be drawn closer to you. I pray in the light of the command that you give us, Lord, in the book of Luke chapter 10 and verse uh, 2, and also in the book of Matthew chapter 9 and verse 38, 
Pray ye the Lord of the harvest, that he'd send forth laborers into his harvest. The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. And I pray, dear God, that you would use this message tonight to call laborers into your harvest. And I ask you, Lord, that you'd touch those hearts. Lord, help them to see the glorious, wonderful privilege, the greatest of all privileges above, Lord, second only to salvation, and that is to be called, special called into your service, the labor and the work for you. And I do pray, Lord, that you'd send forth laborers in this very service, Lord, that you'd call those, Lord, that you'd call others besides those you've already spoken to and make this, Lord, the red-letter day of their lives when they'll accept that call, understanding that the Lord needs them, needs all of us. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you. You may be seated. The account of Jesus going into Jerusalem Writing this cult is spoken of in all four Gospels. Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 9. Mark chapter 11, verses 1 through 10. John chapter 12, verses 12 through 49. In addition to our text that we read to you this afternoon. And uh, this cult that the Lord needed, uh, that's amazing. To think that Jesus Christ in the beginning was God with God, and uh, in creation, he spoke the very worlds into existence, called forth light from the darkness, and uh, placed the sun in the sky to rule over the day, and the moon to rule over the night, and uh, spoke for the dry land to appear, and uh, all of these things just spoke them into existence. But here in our text, the Lord told the disciples to go, and to uh, bring this colt. And he said, if anyone asks you why you're loosing him, you tell him because the Lord hath need of him. Now, I want you to think on that for just a moment. Could you imagine the Lord needing just a simple donkey to ride on? Can you imagine that? I mean, Jesus could just as easily have floated from point A to point B where he's going to be riding that colt as he could sit on that colt and ride it in the colt conveying. Why did the Lord need that colt? And I'm going to say before I answer that question, that the Lord needs each and every one of you. He needs all of us. Now, I know, listen, again, the Lord could have gotten by without the colt. We understand that. And he could get by without us. We understand that. But in a real sense... Beloved, the Lord needed that colt, and just as he needed that colt, he needs you, and he needs me. Can you imagine the God of the universe needing us as individuals, needing you as an individual? Now, you hear me well, please. The Lord needs you. Now, why did the Lord need this colt? And I think we could draw a parallel between these reasons the Lord needed this colt and uh, see in the same manner, if not in the exact same detail, that he needs us. Now, why did, why did the Lord need this colt? Number one, he needed this colt to fulfill the Scripture. In the book of Zechariah, chapter 9 and verse 9, 
the Lord was prophesied almost 500 years before this took place. He was prophesied to come into Jerusalem riding upon a colt. Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9 says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding upon an ass, and upon a colt, the foal of an ass. Almost 500 years before that prophecy was fulfilled, uh, it had been spoken of through Zechariah the prophet that Jesus would come into Jerusalem in exactly the same manner. So Jesus needed the colt to fulfill the scripture. Now, the Lord has told us in the scriptures to go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. And he set it up so that we are needed to do this. I mean, if he's told us to do it through the uh, places in the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the closing words of Jesus in Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, Mark chapter 16, verses 15 and 16, Luke chapter 24, verse 45 through 49, John chapter 20, verses 21 and 22, and then Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. Uh, he was speaking to people. And so to fulfill the scriptures, we are needed in the Lord's plan. Now, let me give you a second reason. Jesus needed this cult. Number two, he was needed, this cult was needed to portray himself as a servant. Jesus Christ left the ivory palaces, all of the riches of glory, the Father's presence, the worship of the angels to come down on this earth to be born in a manger as a poor man had no place to lay his head even in his earthly ministry and was a poor man. And uh, the book of Luke especially portrays Jesus as a servant. And here riding a colt, that's what servants did. The kings would ride the stallions, the beautiful horses, but uh, the servant would ride a mule or a donkey, and uh, that portrayed them in their place in their in the king's service. Number three, the Lord needed this colt to identify himself with the poor, as a poor man. And, uh, uh, you know, if he had come as a mighty potentate, you know, just a king of kings and in riches and splendor, how could the poor people that were going to be the ones primarily who would accept him, how would they identify with him? You think about that. And so Jesus came as a poor man. He was born in a borrowed stable. When he began his ministry, he preached from a borrowed boat. When he died, or prior, prior to that, he, he rides a borrowed donkey. When he died, he was buried in a borrowed tomb. But I'm going to tell you one day, He's going to come back. He's going to be riding a charger, white stallion. He's not coming back as a poor man. He's coming back in power and great glory. And he's going to set up his own kingdom. But Jesus was also needed this cult as a means of natural conveyance, a simple means of transport. And notice this means of transport was a humble, inglorious, mute, untrained, 
probably rude-looking creature because never man had set upon him. And uh, this colt was needed. The most unlikely of choices to be used for only a short ride. But oh, what a ride this is going to be. Amen. Conveying, him, conveying the sa Savior one step closer to the cross. In fact, in five days from this point, he'll die. And here he is making his official presentation of himself as a king, and he's going to experience their final rejection. This cult was also needed to give a glimpse of his deity. Amen? Jesus needed him to fulfill scriptures, yes, but notice, Jesus displays his power over the wills of men in, in saying, if anyone says, why lose you the cult? You said the Lord needs him. And that took care of it. Amen. And he also displays his power over the wills of all creatures because remember, the donkey had never been ridden. I grew up on a farm. And uh, I'm going to tell you, you don't just go out and pick out a colt, a horse, or a mare, you know, mule that's never been ridden and climb on him. Amen. You, you can rest assured you're going to get the ride of your life and maybe get the bounce of your life when you hit the ground. Amen. But notice something else. This donkey even walking over the clothing that was straw put in the way for him to walk on, uh, normally that would have spooked that donkey. All those bright colors, but uh, not this donkey. Amen. And uh, I, I want us to look at these now. Uh, We've looked at the number of things that the Lord needed the donkey for, uh, five things there. But I want us to look at about six or seven things that we see as a result of this. Number one, and again, I see a parallel with you and I. Amen. The Lord knew where he was. In the book of Hebrews chapter 11, and, uh, pardon me, Mark chapter 11, verse 4, the Lord told the disciples, said, go, and you'll find this colt tied in a place where two ways meet. The Lord knew exactly where he was. And I want to say this evening, dear ones, the Lord knows exactly where every one of us are at. Every one of us. Two ways meet. That reminds me of the tug of the flesh and the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Well, the flesh pulling one direction, the Holy Spirit pulling in the other direction. And uh, it reminds me of the two roads, one broad and one narrow, one for life, the other for death, one for happiness, the other for endless sorrow, one road for self, the other road for others. The Lord knew exactly where he was. And you might be battling, and right now this evening, in the, in the place where those two roads meet, and the Holy Spirit of God is pulling you in one direction and saying, I need you. I want you to accept my call upon your life. And the devil is saying, now, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're going to have to give up this and this and this. And boy, he starts down the line on the things you're going to, it's going to cost you that you're going to have to give up. But I'm going to tell you, folks, listen, in the presence of the Lord, there is fullness of joy. The Bible says at my right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. The will of God is always good, acceptable, and perfect. You find that in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And the devil is a liar, you need to follow Jesus, amen. You'll never live a more fulfilling life than 
the life that you live in the center of God's perfect will. Lord said in the place where two ways meet. Now I want you to notice something else. The Lord knew this colt was tied. Amen. Why was he tied? He was tied for his protection, for his restraint. You know, if he had wandered off from where he was, a wild animal could have killed him, eaten him. Some, you know, robber could have taken him, stolen him, sold him to a, a cruel taskmaster. number of different things. He was tied for his protection. Did you know the Lord has you tonight, maybe someone I'm talking to, and you feel like you're just so tired, you don't know what to do. You say, Brother Rawls, I'm ready to go and serve God and answer the call of God on my life, but I am so tired, Lord, I, I, just, I just can't turn loose. I just, I just can't get loose from what I'm tied up to. Did you know the Lord may have you tied right where you're at for your own protection? To keep you from getting off on your own in something that would be very bad for you. But notice something else. This colt was tied for his placement. So he'd be at the very place where the disciples would go and find him. And it may be the Lord has you in the very place that you're in just so that the Holy Spirit of God can continue dealing with you. And it may be if you've got your directions, got your sight set on the wrong thing, that the place that you're tied in will become so miserable and so vain and so empty that you'd give just about anything to get loose from it. But when you get loose, you turn and you find out the next place you go to is worse than the one you're in. You ever been there? Amen. Tied for his placement. But then notice the third thing. He was tied for his peace. P-E-A-C-E. -E. You know, in the control of his masters, where he was tied, those masters evidently were close enough to protect him if danger came. I mean, they saw when the disciples came, when the disciples loosed him, and uh, they would have seen if some wild animal had come to attack him. And I guarantee you, that master would have been prepared to deal with that animal uh, if some thief had come along to take the colt, you know, or somebody came along to abuse him, I promise you that master would have dealt with them as well. It'd be only natural for him to do so. And God may have you in the place you're in for your peace. You may say, preach, I don't have peace, but the Lord's working to give you peace. Amen. The calm, you say, preach, how do you say, how do you say that about the peace business? Well, think about it. When the Lord sits down on this colt, Instead of him bucking and jumping and trying to get that strange load off his back, he's just as calm as he can be, and he walks just as straight along the way as he can possibly walk. I mean, he's, he's peaceful. You know, the devil would say to you, now if you obey the Lord, if you do what God's telling you to do, if you surrender to be a missionary, or you surrender to be a preacher, or you surrender to be a preacher's wife, or you just sell out for God and let God have his way, you're going to be cheated, you're going to be abused, you're going to be misused. Oh no, the devil's a liar. You're going to find, I say again, the greatest blessing in all of your life is going to be right in the center of God's will. Peace, peace. The Lord sat on him, and uh, he's calmed instead of uh, uh, perturbed, instead of excited. Now listen to this. Notice something else. Number three, for this colt to be untied, it had to be 
with someone else's help. Hmm? And I'm going to tell you, the Lord knows how to place us and let us get ourselves into fixes sometimes where we're tied and there's no way to get out of it unless somebody else helps us. Tied with obligations, you know, former masters, tied with fear. <laughs> I think about, oh man, I, I think I may have told you before. If you don't need to hear it, I do, okay? I was willing to take a failing grade in an agricultural class in the ninth grade when I was a, a freshman in high school rather than get up in front of 12, 15 boys and make a four-minute speech in that, that little class. I was the only one that finished that year in that class that never made that speech. My instructor said, you're going to make that speech or I'm going to fail you. He was after me. I mean, he, he had a personal uh, vendetta, I think, uh, you know. But uh, I didn't make it. He passed me on a D minus. And I think he did that because my dad had already been to the school on another issue. And I don't think he wanted to tangle my dad. Amen. <laughs> my dad was a peace-loving man. Amen. He just don't push me past the line I'm standing on. Amen. Kind of reminds me of the, uh, who was it, the, uh, the Quaker. He said, I would not hit thee for anything in the world, but your nose is where I'm going to swing. <laughs> tied, tied, tied with obligation, tied with fear. You ever got, you have any fear? Boy, the devil said, you don't want to mind God. Man, look, look. Hey, sometimes we are our own worst enemies. Could you imagine God leading you into anything that would be bad for you if he loved you and I enough to die for us while we were yet sinners? On, and not just die, but die on a crude Roman cross. Suffer the spitting and the beating and the humiliation and all the cursing and jeering and all that Jesus did. He did because of his, of his amazing Und just immeasurable love for us. Could he possibly lead us into something that would be bad when he loved us that much while we were yet sinners? And if he loved us that much, how much more does he love us now that we're his own sons and daughters? My, my, my. Listen, I've got four children. Two boys, two girls. They're, of course, they're grown. They're away from home now. But... Uh, and I'm going into my second childhood, amen. <laughs> but, but I could never in my wildest imagination do one single thing that would be bad for any one of those siblings. I've got grandchildren, great-grandchildren. I know it don't look that old, but I am, amen. But uh, watch it, watch it. I heard that, amen. But uh, I couldn't imagine, I could not imagine doing anything that would be bad for any one of my children or my grandchildren or great-grandchildren. And I'm not a perfect man. I mean, I'm, I'm trying. I'm, I strive for perfection, the Bible says. But, uh, hey, God is perfect. He's our Heavenly Father. Him being our Heavenly Father, how could He possibly prescribe anything less than the very best for us? We need to let go and let God have His way with us. Hey, tied with fear. 
sometimes tied with excuses. Sometimes it's family. And family ties can be very, very, I mean, they can be uh, very hard ties to, uh, you know, deal with. But I'm going to tell you, listen, the Lord can watch over you in the center of His will, and He can watch over your family better than you can watch over your family yourself. Yes, sir. And uh, you'll do better, your family will do better, if you're in the center of God's will, than you will trying to watch over your family if you're out of God's will. And notice the fourth thing. For this coal to be used, for him to be used, there had to be a change of location. Did you hear that? He couldn't be used tied where he was. He had to be untied. He had to be brought to Jesus, led there. And uh, in other words, there had to be a, a relocation. And I'm speaking to somebody tonight that where there needs to be a relocation. I know the pastor of this church and the body of this church would be saddened to see you go in one way, but they'd be delighted to see you go in the will of God to answer the call of God. And uh, notice, there had to be a relocation. Jesus said, bring him here. Bring him here to the place where the Lord is. Not lo- The Lord's not going where he's at, and the Lord's not going to change his location to come meet you on your term. You've got to come to his terms, amen? And that relocation. I want to ask you tonight, close your eyes. See the cities, see the villages, see the towns, see the people, see the emptiness in the face of the people that have never heard about Jesus, that have never one time sung a song, one of the precious hymns that we sing, has never heard the song, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound, that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. And those people dying and going to a Christless eternity because nobody goes, nobody tells him about Jesus. I think of cities, villages, homes, people, all the people, the people that are waiting for somebody, waiting for somebody to come and show them the way. Had to be a change of location. I repeat again, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, Paul the Apostle said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, the mercies of God, all the good things that God has given us that we don't deserve. He said, I beseech you by the mercies of God that you present your body as a living sacrifice holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world. Don't be chasing after the world, the goods of the world, at the expense of your service to Him. Be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Well, the devil said, block this out of your mind. Put this away. Put it, put it away. Put it behind you. Don't, don't do that. Don't do that. Listen, what the devil is saying is don't trust God. He can't be trusted. And I remind you again, the will of God is good, acceptable, and perfect. Always. You get in the will of God, and you find it's good. God gives you just seems to drop some handfuls on purpose here and there. 
And as you go along, you find some trials and testings. You know, you find some bumps in the road. And sometimes they can be pretty good tests. Nothing compared to what Jesus went through to redeem us. But uh, there's some tests. But the further down the road you get, the more you look and you say, praise God. Man, and looking back, I see all the things the Lord led me around, and it's perfect. I wouldn't trade the life God's given me for anything, any other life in the entire world. I'm 74 years old. When the Lord called me to preach, I didn't jump up and say, yeah, man, pray, yeah, let's go. I know. I was scared to death. That four-minute speech in agriculture, I mean, and I got to preach? Ain't no way. I asked about stage fright. You know, first, first few times I'm preaching, I didn't have stage fright. I had stage horror. It was way past fright. It was stage terror. And I'm thinking, and I asked somebody, I said, well, how long does it take this to go away? And they said, oh, it's about a year. I was into the ministry two years, three years, four years, and still, every time I get up to preach, man, it's like my knees are playing a song. I wish I was in Dixie, away, away, anywhere but here. I didn't have stage fright. <laughs> I'm telling you, it was, it was horror. Amen. But I'm glad the Lord was always there. God led us away from our hometown. I couldn't understand that. We tried to get a nice house in our town, and every, time, every way we turned, God shut the door on it. I look back now, I am so thrilled we did not settle in our hometown. I know from some contacts, and, and like Abraham being called out from his family, I, my wife and I have talked about it. I know that for our family, if nothing else, God led us out from our kindred and our, our home. And uh, went away to a church, you know, this little church we started with, little storefront. I'm telling you, they had so many problems. It, oh, they, they, majored, they majored on problems. They had plenty of problems, amen. I was so distraught at times. I would get in my car on Sunday night and Wednesday night with my wife and our children in the back seat, you know, and I'm telling you, we'd drive out the highway and we wouldn't say anything, you know, for a way. And I'd tell my wife after a point, I said, honey, I'm telling you, when God says I'm finished with you here, I'm going to blow out of here like a bad tire. Amen. Boom! Now, which way did it go? I hated that place. I only stayed because I knew the Lord had put me there. But you know what God did? He let us see a work built there. And people started getting saved that love God, still going on for the Lord. And uh, just so many things and, and uh, just such fulfillment. He let us see a nice new building built that wasn't, it didn't entail a great monstrous debt and indebtedness at all. And uh, hey, the will of God is good, acceptable, and perfect. In fact, it was so good when he told me I wanted, that I was to go. I didn't really want to go, amen. <laughs> and the Lord patient with us. But, uh, hey, God's people, the owners, notice this, were willing to part with that donkey, number five. See, there had to be a change of location and uh, for God to use him. And then number five, notice, please, the owners were willing to part with him. 
the owners were willing to part with. See, Jesus said, tell them, if anybody asks you why loose you the colt, what means you don't have to go and ask anybody. Just go and loose him. Bring him here. You don't normally do that. You find out who owns this thing, you know, and, and you know, talk to him. Tell him what you're going to. Well, Jesus didn't tell him to do that. He said, just go and loose him. Bring him here. And so they find the colt right where he said, and they start untying him, you know. And the fellows that evidently owned him said, what are you doing loosing the colt? They said, the Lord needs him. Hmm. That took care of it. Amen. The Lord hath need of him. That's all it took. I'm going to tell you, folk, listen, I have found the Lord, God's people, I found them willing to part with cars, houses. I've seen them willing to part with just lands. I've seen, it's, a, it's amazing. Missionary named Jerry Alford, you know Brother Jerry. Just, you, you know him. And uh, Brother Jerry Alford went down to Venezuela, South America. Boy, God blessing his ministry, had a church sprung up, and they needed a building. Now, it doesn't always work like this, but they needed a building. And one of the people that gotten saved was a lady school teacher. And uh, so they were praying about a building, and this lady went to Brother Jerry, and she said, I own a couple of houses. And she said, I'm going to give one of the houses for our church to meet in. Did you hear me? She gave, and I'm telling you, I've been there. I've seen it. It was an old tumble-down shack. It was a decent house in a decent neighborhood. And uh, so they went in there, and uh, they knocked out a wall, you know, and the people that made enough space for them, and the house was just built kind of straight like this. And then they outgrew that. They knocked out another wall, and uh, they filled that up. And then they literally knocked out the back wall. And when I got down there, they had tarpaulins, stretched up overhead like this, coming down at where the house stopped, you know, here, our tarps coming on down. And, man, here's where the preacher would stand. And uh, that lady gave that house. Just, I mean, dead free, no strings attached. And then that lady came up with cancer. You say, Brother Ross, I don't understand that. If she loved God enough to give a house and still God let her come down with cancer... Well, let me tell you what happened. She'd never heard anybody preach on this, as far as I know. She went to Brother Jerry, and she said, the doctors tell me that I have cancer. They want to do chemotherapy and so forth. But she said, i tell you what I want to do. She said, I read in the book of James, chapter 5, that if you're sick, that you're to call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. And I want the church, I want you, Pastor, and I want the other two preachers that are involved with the ministry here, I want you to anoint me with oil and pray over me. You know what God did? He healed her. She's still alive. <laughs> the fellow said, she's still kicking. Amen. <laughs> Going on for God. I remember when we started our ministry. And this, by the way, this is the only time this, anything like this ever happened, this, this to this degree. But we came out from Mexico, and we had a car. I, I mean, it was an old, well, it wasn't really old, that, that old. It was a, a 1975 Chevrolet, one of those big ones, a Bel Air, you know. It had, man, that looked like a Sherman tank going down the road, four wheels on it. And had a big old engine in it. It had been a former highway patrol car. 
And they'd done gotten the best out of it. Amen. The thing had a water pump leak the night before we left. I, I went downtown for something, and in the grace and goodness of God, I discovered it rather than happening on the road and it burning the engine up. But I went downtown for something, and uh, when we stopped, I noticed water running out from under it and the front end of it. I raised the hood and looked, and there was a stream of water coming out of a hole in the water pump down there. It just about looked like the size of my finger. I said, oh, man, we were to leave the next morning. So I go in the, in the store. I bought a reconditioned water pump. Took it home. Same guarantee as a new one. And we did whatever else we needed. Went on straight home. And uh, I worked on that car till 3 a.m. changing the water pump. When I got the water pump out of the box about, I guess it was maybe 1.30 a.m., I noticed that reconditioned pump had rust pits in it. Oh, man. I, I used gasket slack. I would have taken it back, but everything's closed. I put that thing on. I tightened the bolts up using gasket shellac and all this. It leaked. I tightened the bolts up again. And uh, we're going up the highway, and I noticed the temperature gauge is rising. I get out and look. It's still leaking. I tightened the bolts up again. And uh, this time, I tightened them up just as tight as they would go. I anointed that thing with prayer and stopped leak. And then it started this number. Fourteen hundred miles. And twice it made that sound that you don't want to hear in the night. It does it. And I'm coasting over to the side of the road on the freeway now, the motorway. And just before it quit rolling, and just before my faith ran out, I'll come back up on the freeway. Cars pulling over and people looking around, you know. And, and Sheila's sitting up in the back seat. Just, I said, Sheila, lean over, hon. Lay down. Sleep. Dad, I can't sleep. I said, sweetie, please sleep. She said, I can't sleep, Dad. I'm praying. <laughs> I told my wife, I said, honey, this is ridiculous. On top of that, I'd hurt my back when we was trying to get the lid, deck lid, to, uh, what do you call it, the bonnet? What you, that's, that's it. Try and get that to close on her wheelchair and our luggage and stuff. And it, it came down almost with both of us sitting on it where it would latch. And I said, I said, honey, I said, look, I said, let's jump. We'll count to three and we'll jump on it. And she's faster than I am, you know. I, one, two, three, boom, boom, and the, the lid's coming up when I'm going down. Oh, it got me. Oh. I said, oh, babe. I said, this is crazy. We're starting a ministry, going to drive thousands of miles, and, and this is the best we got. This is crazy. And we get to this church, small church. They had a record attendance Sunday school the day we closed the mission conference. But you know what that little church did? They surprised us with a brand spanking new maxi van, Plymouth maxi van, white wall radials, full cover wheel disc. I'm talking about air conditioning, heat, tinted glass, 
had everything but a cruise control. They tried to get that put on for me, but it just didn't work out, amen. So I, I broke down, I bit the bullet, and I put that on myself, amen. <laughs> We're driving home back that 1,400 miles, and people driving, they turn around looking like that, you know. My wife said, honey, why are they looking at us like that? I said, they're admiring our blessing, amen. Let me tell you, folks, you can trust our God. He's not going to leave you. You know, and we got a saying over in the United States, he's not going to send you up the river without a paddle. Of course, if he did, you could float with the current, come on back down anyway, amen. I don't know why folks say that, didn't ever think of that, you know. But hey, the Lord had some people that was willing to part with him. I say again, whatever you need in the will of God. There are people that have what you need and God will put it on their hearts to part with it so that you can do His will. Then notice something else, please. The peace this donkey had when the Lord used him. And I've already mentioned this, but I want to tell you the peace that you'll have in the will of God, you will never, ever know that peace. Until you sell out, just turn loose, take your hands off of your life, let go and let God. And then finally, I want to point out again, reemphasize about this cult that he was needed. He was needed. Amen. Now, remember I said to you, the Lord knew where he was. Knows where we're at. Knew he was tied. He knows how we're tied, what we're tied with. He knew that for him to be untied had to have to be with someone else's help. And to be used, there had to be a change of location. And then the owners were willing to part with him. And I repeat, I found people that are willing to part with automobiles, houses, even children, families, or whatever, their own lives for the sake of the Lord and uh, to worship Him and to obey Him. And then the peace when we're in His will. And then finally, that cult was needed. I'm going to give you this and we'll close. Someone wrote a song. It says, God searched through heaven and couldn't find one willing to go. But Jesus said, Father, I'll go. I'll pay their sin debt in Calvary's flow. I'll bear in my body the marks of the cross to save poor sinners who are sin sick and lost. And I like the song the way it says, and it's still the blood that's saved from sin. It's still the blood that cleanses within from the highest star in heaven to the depths of the sea. It's still the blood of Jesus that brings victory for me. There are people around the world that are living and dying in such darkness that have no hint of that truth. I would to God that some way this evening we could hear the cries of those sitting in the regions of the damned. Some of them crying out to demon spirits. Some of them crying out under the possession of demon spirits. 
and others that are crying out in nothing more than black, empty religion. They're crying for somebody to help them. I think of Paul in the book of Acts chapter 16, when they were going to go into Asia, but the Holy Spirit of God, they were forbidden to go. And they essayed to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. And Paul said in the night, there stood a man of Macedonia saying, come over into Macedonia and help us. Come and help us. Folks, this evening, I want to stand as that man from Africa, Macedonia, Mexico, islands of the sea, and say to you as Christians, won't you come over and help us? Come over and share with us. Tell us what you've got. Let us in on it. Please help us so that we don't go to hell. Please hear our cry. I stand and cry. The Lord needs you. Worship Him by giving Him your life. The Lord needs your children. Worship Him by giving Him your children. The Lord needs your praises. Worship Him by giving your praises. By giving Him your worship. Nations that He loves have need of you. Worship Him by going to them. And you're giving, but as well with your going, going personally. Cities and homes, people that make up those cities have need of you. This church needs you in this city. Our Lord needs you. Won't you come over and help us? I think our, about our brother here down in Spain. And I see the burden of his heart. I could close my eyes and see many other missionaries with the same burden. Let's stand pleased, our heads bowed and eyes closed. With our heads bowed and eyes closed, I want to ask the question tonight. What is there in this life that's worth missing the will of God for? And what is there in this life that's worth missing the reaching of countless, maybe untold numbers of people that you could reach? You say, preacher, I'm not that big. I, but no, no, that's not the issue. It, the, the question is, will you just let the Lord take over in your life? Let go and let the Lord use you. I cry again, the Lord hath need of thee. The Lord needs you. The Lord needs you. With the head bowed and eyes closed, I wonder if there are those that lift your hands and say, Preacher, I want you to pray for me. I, I know God's calling me. I, there's a battle going on, a struggle. Pray that the Lord will help me. Just let go and let him have my, his way with me. Would you lift your hand, please? God bless you. Are there others? Lift your hand up. I'll see it. You can take it back down. I know the Lord's dealing with me. There's a struggle. Pray with me. God bless you. Are there others? God bless you. Yes. Are there others? Father, in Jesus' name, you've seen all the hands, and I thank you for them being honest and raising their hands, Lord. 
maybe there's some others, Lord, and they're having such a struggle. They're just having difficulty even lifting their hands, Lord. Lord, I don't, I'm not critical of them. I, I sit where they sit, Lord. I know the battle that's raging in their bosom. Lord, I'm glad that I found out something of your faithfulness. And Lord, I'm glad that you've seen fit. Take this old farm boy and let me see something of your blessing. Well, you just took over and, Lord, you've done some things. And God, I pray that you'd help each one here tonight, Lord, just to let go. Let you, Father, have your way in their lives. Some, Lord, that ought to begin giving to help others go that you've called. But, Lord, I pray for these especially tonight, Lord, that you're calling to go. Give them grace to just sell out, let go, and obey you. Mm-hmm.